Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and returning to talk about Psalm 77 is Jana Dykeis. Jana, for those who missed her last episode or still aren't aware, is our Director of Community Engagement and also is working on getting the Culture House up off the ground, which is a local community arts organization. So I figured whom better to talk with about the creative work of the Psalms than Jana. To get us started, here's Jana reading Psalm 77. I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands, and I would not be comforted. I remembered you, God, and I groaned. I meditated, and my spirit grew faint. You kept my eyes from closing. I was too troubled to speak. I thought about the former days, the years of long ago. I remembered my songs in the night. My heart meditated and my spirit asked, Will the Lord reject me forever? Will he never show his favor again? Has his unfailing love vanished forever? Has his promise failed for all time? Has God forgotten to be merciful? Has he in anger withheld his compassion? Then I thought, To this I will appeal, the years when the Most High stretched out his right hand. I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Your ways, God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles. You display your power among the peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and writhed. The very depths were convulsed. The clouds poured down water. The heavens resounded with thunder. Your arrows flashed back and forth. Your thunder was heard in the whirlwind. Your lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and quaked. Your path led through the sea, your way through the mighty waters, though your footprints were not seen. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. Jana, welcome back to Curious Psalms. Thanks so much. Nice to be here again. Again, it is again, as I promised. Yes. You're now in the regular rotation. <laughs> and uh, this is a little kind of cross-promotion slash a little Easter egg. But this has been a fall of podcasts for you because when this releases, it will not have yet been revealed on that podcast. But you were a guest with Aaron and I on the Curious Church podcast for three episodes coming out this month. Yeah, getting really comfortable here. So <laughs> so if anyone listens to both podcasts, they now got the scoop before before that even came out. But it's been great having you in the studio, aka mm-hmm. my office, with a mic in front of your face. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to talking about this psalm. I found sure. this psalm really interesting. Yeah, me too. So let's just dive right in with this first question. What stood out to you in reading the psalm? Yeah, I think one of the biggest things was kind of this inner dialogue or our like discussion the guy has with himself. Yeah. Right? He's talking about his situation and then he asks all these questions. And mm-hmm. then at verse 10, he kind of shifts a little bit and he's like, okay. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to remember who God is. <laughs> it's like when yeah. I have to give myself pep talks in the morning. I'm like, my day is terrible. I can't stand this. Like, what's going on? And I'm like, no, no. Okay, here's what we're going to do. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. going to remember. Whatever. Remember something positive uh-huh. um, in that situation. So I thought that was just really interesting how he kind of reframed his situation for himself, which is kind of tricky to do. So, Yes, very much so. And we... I mean, it's kind of interesting because it almost feels set up 
to we're going to have some intervention from God or something entering the dialogue. But really, it, as you said, it remains this internal monologue, which maybe we'll talk about more later. But it is a fascinating dynamic. One of my observations was the language he uses of remembering and forgetting. He says in verse 3, I remembered you, God. Verse 6, I remembered my songs in the night. Verse 9, has God forgotten to be merciful? Verse 11, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. Right. Uh, and just this, the way that this theme kind of threads it, itself through. He starts with remembering, and that remembering is actually a source of pain. Mm -hmm. It seems for him like he remembers God, but it feels like God is God's failure to remember him, at least in his experience, is part of the anguish that he's enduring. But then yet it's at the same at the same time, the very thing that maybe gives him some comfort towards the end of the psalm is his remembering again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so And I wonder how long it took him to get through this, you know, oh, yeah. like how long did he sit in the questioning stage? How long did he sit in the remembering stage? Like we just read through it all in one go, but <laughs> I could imagine this takes place over an entire night or week or yeah. even longer as he's just kind of sitting with this distress. So I, I'd be curious to know. Yeah, there's a lot of Psalms like that where, you know, you see the, the turn, so to speak, as we sometimes talk about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, is there a human who makes the turn that quickly? <laughs> <laughs> if so, teach me your ways. Exactly. What, yep. what do you do to make that happen? That's amazing. Yep. Yeah, totally. Well, let's let's continue on. We, I mean, God is named over and over in this psalm, mm. and yet we're in the inner dialogue of this individual. Right. Uh, but I still think there's probably things that we can reflect on about God. So how do we encounter God, or what do we learn about God in this psalm? I think the neat thing is that we see God through the psalmist's lens initially, like how he's viewing God, how he's questioning God. And one of the things, instead of I meditated, it said, I complained, like mm. just that God is kind of the the object of all of these emotions and prayers and yelling and crying and questions and everything. But then also the lenses shift, right? Again, and he remembers, okay, this is the actual God. I remember A.W. Tozer talks about like the thing you believe about God is the most important thing about you. Hmm. Like how you view God and your thoughts on him are the most important thing. So I'm curious how like the psalmist kind of leans into that. And then, you know, when he's remembering God, I think those are the truths, right? about God being holy and great and mighty and performing miracles. These are the things that have been proven outside of himself and within community and yeah that have kind of are backed up by god's actual deeds so yeah. i think that's kind of neat too of seeing okay separating what is my view of god and what is who god actually is in the psalm too what do you i'm curious what you think about this because i'm just i'm just noticing this so you have verses seven through nine mm -hmm. which is very much kind of his complaint against god so to speak and there's a lot here that is about like has god forgotten to be merciful has he in anger withheld his compassion mm. all it's not quite attributes of god but it has a little bit of like who is god like yeah like, has, is he not being true to himself but then when he remembers the things about god he will remember the deeds of the lord right like, there's a sense in which i'm wondering about almost wondering about the character of god because of what i'm experiencing and then what i'm going to remember 
is not he doesn't then sort of give a creedal statement about well i believe god is good like Mm -hmm. i will remember that god is good all the time all the time god is good right like he's like okay let me actually rehearse the deeds do you think there's something to that yeah kind of this action speak louder than words type of thing maybe yeah i also think now that you bring that up i was reading another version i think it was the message and seven through nine had a lot of like very human language like has God walked out? Does he never oh. smile anymore? Has he like burned out? Just my luck. Like he just disappears right when I need him. Yeah. And I feel like, again, that's kind of this human lens, right? That mm-hmm. we are projecting on God that he's maybe acting like this yeah. facetious human or whatever. And then, yeah. And then it shifts to, okay, this is what God has actually done. He's proven his mighty deeds, mm. like you said. So, yeah, I think that's an interesting contrast there. Yeah. I was also struck by the fact that he asks, has his unfailing love vanished forever? Mm. Like the line is kind of deeply ironic. Right. It would make more sense if he just asked, has his love vanished forever? (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) But he names it as unfailing. And so that line is just worth meditating on. Yeah. Because it's really interesting to me, the choice that's being made there. And the psalmist doesn't experience rebuke here for questioning for raising this question mm-hmm. and yet it feels like baked into the question is the truth that he's going to remember does right. that does that kind of make sense yeah do you think he's like arguing logically with himself like saying how can this unfailing loving merciful god all the things that he is actually do these things that i'm thinking he's doing right i wonder if he's actually asking god this or if i think he's kind of arguing with himself like no, asking yeah. himself right well maybe a bit of both right yeah. like i think there's other psalms where the question is directly directed to God. Right. Like, where are you? And this one, I think you're right, has a bit of ambiguity. We're sort of, well, as you said to the first question, we're kind of in an internal dialogue. And yet that's, I think it's also kind of the answer built being built in. Of course, the unfailing love has not failed because it is unfailing. By right. Definition. <laughs> yeah. But I, I was thinking about the ways that sometimes we can think of God as sort of defined by the moment of our experience. I think this is very natural because as humans, it's very easy for us to view the world through our lens, uh, to use the word that you're using earlier. I was kind of thinking about the ways that sometimes we might even think of God in terms of like the scientific method. Mm. Like, okay, we have your attribute, God. Right. And it is true until we find evidence to disprove it. Right. Like, okay, until (laughs) like we know your love is unfailing, but we're just waiting for like something to happen that seems to undo it. And just the reality here, I love the ambiguity of that line in part because I think it reminds us that God is not contingent on our experience of him. Mm -hmm. The things that are true about him are true regardless of what we are going through. That's not to deny that in the moment that's a very hard thing to grasp. Right. But there's also something deeply reassuring. Like there's, there is no thing, there's no event that can happen that will disprove the goodness of God. And to hold, I think the psalmist is maybe start trying to hold on to that. And then he's going to remember these deeds, right? Yeah. To help yeah. him kind of maybe actually get, get there emotionally. Yeah. And I think it's reassuring, like you're saying, that this is a reminder that God doesn't change, mm-hmm. right? That And we can't change God either. Like we can't change God. We can't really often change our circumstances, but mm-hmm. we can change the narrative that we tell ourselves about these things, or we can reframe how we're thinking or remembering about these things and digging for truth in that too. So, Mm. yeah. That feels like it moves us nicely to our third question. (laughs) (laughs) That feels like a nice transition point. So how does this psalm help us to pray? I think it helps us pray with honesty. I think that's just all through the psalms. That's not a new thing, right? It's just very honest. But it's worth saying over and over again. (laughs) Right. And I think it also kind of, 
encourages us to see the big picture or see outside of ourselves, right? The things that he's remembering aren't necessarily specific to his life. Mm. And they're kind of like, it's also kind of a communal memory, right? He's leaning on these nods to like in verse 19, this is kind of a nod to the Exodus of leading through the sea and the mighty waters, even though, yeah, that can be definitely a metaphor for our lives too. But Moses and Aaron are mentioned directly and stuff too. So I think praying with the big picture in mind and praying outside of ourselves or Mm. even praying for our neighbors that they would see and remember kind of big picture or sharing those testimonies can be helpful as well. So, Oh, I love that. That's worth sitting with a little bit. I think the ways that yes, he doesn't rehearse a litany of the things that God has done for him. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting because presumably there's some goodness in his life that he could give thanks to God for. Right. right. In fact, I mean, even the Psalm seems to imply like, he, re- he remembers God, right? There's a sense that he's been with God, that there's been some experience of God, but he doesn't say, I, I'll remember the deeds you have done for me, right. the things you did last <laughs> week, the things you did last year. It's, yeah, reaching into the deep, the deep resources of his people. There's Exodus language. There's mm-hmm. also like giving of the law. There's like Sinai language here as well, right? Like God covenanting with his people is where mm-hmm. he reaches to. I don't know if that's my usual instinct. If I'm trying to remember the goodness <laughs> of God, I usually, I probably tend to go like personal rather than sort of rehearsing the grand story, right? Right, and right. On to that. So I love that, Jenna. Yeah. And I think that's something that's so encouraging about like gathering in worship oh. with other believers, right? When we say these creeds that have been around for years and years and years or rehearse these kind of patterns and practices that the church has been doing for a long time sometimes to be honest i believe them sometimes i'm not really feeling it and i think that's really important because sometimes we say things because we believe them and sometimes we say them in order to believe them right Mm. we're kind of leaning into that and convincing ourselves and reassuring ourselves and Mm. yeah reframing things within the context of community of faith so you're triggering so many thoughts for me here, Janet, because one of the <laughs> one of one of my reflections on like liturgy and sometimes one of the critiques of a higher liturgy, a more structured liturgy, is it, mm-hmm. it can become depersonal. In other words, you sort of you're not praying your own prayers. It's not just about you and God and you're right. missing some of the intimacy. And I think sometimes that critique is a is a fair critique to level. But also sometimes what that higher liturgy can be doing is inviting you into a story that is more has even a stronger foundation or the bedrock is even more firm than sort of you just remembering what happened last week or something like that. And sometimes we need that, right? Especially in, well, especially in seasons like the psalmist is experiencing. We don't know why he needs help. We don't know what is causing the distress, but Mm -hmm. there is great distress here. Yeah. When I I was thinking about praying too, I find it kind of interesting. The psalmist's distress is not resolved. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, the lens changes, like you were saying earlier. Yeah. But there's no return. The psalm ends on a bit of a weird note from its beginning. So like the <laughs> psalm begins, I cried out to God for help. I cried out to God to hear me. When I was in distress, I sought the Lord. At night, I stretched out untiring hands. You read it so beautifully earlier. And then it ends, you led your people like a flock by the hand of <laughs> Moses and Aaron. Yeah. And it's a little bit like. Like, did we come full circle? <laughs> did we that... really get an answer? Yeah. It's like, is that enough for you? <laughs> like, yeah. And. There, I think there is, I, I love, again, the ambiguity of that mm-hmm. ending. There is a strong sense in which the psalmist is coming to some kind of resting place and that there is a transition happening. 
And yet, there is no end of, and now I feel totally at peace. And I remember you are with me now. And you have, you are with me. We don't get that at the end of right. the psalm, which is a really interesting layer of this psalm. And I was just thinking, you know, sometimes we can set up prayer and almost resolution as sort of the, the goal of prayer. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to pray about this so I can come to be at peace, a perfect peace about right. it. And if I just pray hard enough and if I pray through it, then I, it's almost like prayer is processing, right. <laughs> so to speak. And that can be a wonderful element of prayer. And I, I would encourage people <laughs> to engage in prayer in those ways. But if we have this sort of goal of I need to have this perfectly resolved and it to mm -hmm. land at a certain place and me to gain insight from God about it. This psalm to me just raises a little bit of a question mark over whether that's really the goal here and whether that, in fact, there's something else that we're invited into. I don't know exactly how to put words to what that thing is, but right. the psalm seems to open it up a little bit more than just like, okay, process through it, and then you just come to a the perfect landing place. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think that's a great point that, yeah, maybe his circumstances and his distress hasn't changed, but I think he's being formed yeah. nonetheless and... Hopefully, I, I don't know, but hopefully experiencing some of who God is in his presence, which can, you know, be a, yeah. be a big comfort. But yeah. I don't know if he's quite there yet. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is, a, there is a way in which you could, could you imagine the psalmist praying this sort of every night in this season? Mm. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the next night again, like I cried out to God for help. And then, okay, I have to remind myself. Like, again, I'm still right? here. I'm like, still not, here. <laughs> like, there isn't, because we don't get that resolution of his circumstance by the end of the psalm, it makes me wonder, yeah. is this just the, is this the prayer you pray over and over and over again? Yeah. You know, trying to remind yourself of the goodness of God through what he's done. I don't know. Maybe right. not. Maybe it was a one and done. <laughs> I'd like you were hope. saying, right? This could represent a prayer of a night, a week, a decade in right. someone's life. Yeah. Well, Jana, anything else to add about Psalm 77? Not really. I think it was it was great to read through and kind of give me a framework, too, for wrestling through things and, yeah, remembering who God is. Give, gives us all great permission to talk to ourselves. Yes. <laughs> well, thanks for joining me. I really enjoyed this conversation. And it's always fun to have a conversation with someone. It's like, oh, even as we're talking, I'm like, oh, right. I hadn't seen that. And I hadn't thought about that. So really appreciate it. Yeah, it was great. Well, let's conclude with a couple of verses again. Verse 11 and 12. This, this moment of the turn, so to speak, where the psalmist says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Friends, go out and pray the Psalms. Mm -hmm.